of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that you're here today and that you will touch lives. You will touch my life. You will touch every life that is represented here in this room before you. I want to thank you, God, because of your presence. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you because you are the teacher. Teach us today and minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Today is our friend's day. And at the Ark Fellowship, we celebrate family and friendship. We celebrate family and friendship. We believe that these are the two, some of the two most important um, blessings or precious blessings that God has given to us as believers, friendship and a family. Now, when it comes to uh, family, uh, God is giving you a very little choice about it. Uh, you can pick who you want to get married to. You might pick who you want to adopt, but you can't pick who is a family member. And sometimes, uh, most of us, while we were growing up, you wish that this brother or that sister was not a family member because they're giving you a lot of pain. <laughs> we've, been all, we've been there. And so you can't, you can't choose that. God's giving you that, and there's a purpose for it. God wants your family member there, the Scripture tells us, because He wants them to be there for you when in times of trouble. You can read that in the Scriptures. But also, friendship is important. Friendship is really important because God allows you to pick your friend. You have the choice to choose who you want to be your friend. So let's go out. Let's be friendly. Let's choose our friends. But as you're doing it, be careful who you choose to be your friend. Pick good friends. (laughs) Pick good friends. Because the Bible says, bad friends will ruin you. They will cause you a lot of pain. So God's giving us that. We should choose our friends. In Proverbs 18 verse 24, it says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend is the one I want to talk to you about today. The friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm going to encourage you today to choose that friend. His name is Jesus. Most people don't understand this, that Jesus wants you to be his friend. I'm going to show you from the scriptures. Jesus wants you to be his friend. He died so that he can have you as a friend. And what kind of friend is this? This is the greatest friend you can ever have on the earth. You can never do anything to make him abandon you. It will always be there for you. You know, I was reading the scripture this week and reading from Matthew 11, verse 27. Jesus was speaking. He says, everything, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. I like that scripture up. Matthew 11, verse 27. It says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. 
And no one knows the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father. Can you believe that? We know of Jesus Christ, but you don't really know Him. The one who really knows who Jesus is, is the Father. God Himself. No one knows the Son except the Father. And then it tells us that no one, nor does anyone know who the Father is, but the Son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. The Son of God wills to receive Him. No one knows who God is. Not a single soul on the earth. Only the Son knows who the Father is. And you can only get to know Him if He wills, if He wants to reveal the Father to you. So I'm not shocked when you talk to people in the world and they're saying, there's no God. I know you know there's no God because He hasn't revealed Him to you. I'm not shocked by it. That you say there is no God, it's no big, it's no big deal. I'm an atheist. Yeah, I understand it. There is no God to you because if you will know God, Jesus will have to reveal him to you. And until he reveals his father to you, you'll never know him. And that's the kind of friend that you want. The one that's going to reveal who God is. Because truly there is a God in the world. You may not know him. The Bible says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you go away from God, it's as if God doesn't exist. And how badly it is for man to live a life without feeling God in his or her life. That's a terrible life to live. And then you die, then you have to deal with him. And then you have no choice at that time. So this is the only time we have a choice to get to know him. So make Jesus your friend. Because he wants to be your friend. In uh, John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus himself was speaking. He said, greater love has no one than this. That one may lay his life down, lay down his life for his friends. So what does that tell us? Jesus is laying down his life to have you as his friend. Think about it. Everything that will be in the way of you becoming his friend, he is willing to lay his life down so that you can be his friend, so that he can reveal you or unveil the Father to you. No greater love than this. What does this mean? What did Jesus do when he laid down his life? Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 tells us what he did for us. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Every human being was cursed. You're trying to make progress and there's something pulling you back. You get married and you're trying to have a good family. You were happy when you got married. You believed the world. Everything was going to be good. But then Satan came into your home and things are not working the way you expected them to be. Things are going down. Your finances, all of those things come in at you. That's the curse. But Jesus took those upon himself. 
He redeemed us from the curse of the law, the curse of the law, that the blessings of Abraham may come upon us. Because God made him a curse. God has already said he became a curse for us. Because the scripture has already said, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. And Jesus hung on the tree. And God says, that's the curse. The whole curse of the world upon my son. So you can be free. So that the blessings of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham, might come upon the Gentile. That's you and I. Whatever that means, the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Overtake us. Consume us. Whatever Abraham experienced with God can come upon us. You know what the Bible said of Abraham? In Isaiah 41 verse 8, Abraham was called the friend of God. That's the blessing of Abraham. You become a friend of God. God says when he speaks to his friend, we speak face to face. You and God. You do, now, I, it's clear, I cannot become Unless God does a miracle, I cannot become Obama's friend. Well, that would be a miracle. The phone, the president's calling. Hey, Mr. President, just a minute. I'm talking to the president of the United States. Immediately, your opinion of me is going to change. You know the president? Wow, can you put a word for me? Is it really? I mean, if we're good friends, who is coming to my house next week? Oh, wow. But basically, I'm saying you are only a friend of somebody who you are in the same kind of level with, right? When God elevates you to be his friend, that's something unusual. I can be Bill Gates' friend. He has his group of friends. But when God makes you his friend, when God says, Abraham is my friend, God elevated Abraham above all humans. There's something supernatural about it. You may not feel it, but that's the truth. You are a friend of God. There's something about you that is unique. It's supernatural. And that's what Jesus came to do for us. And he says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, because Jesus did that for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So there are twofold blessings here, right? The blessing of Abraham, and then the promise of the Spirit that we receive through faith. How do you receive that blessing that Jesus died for? There's a second blessing. The blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Spirit that we receive through faith. And that's what I'm going to be talking to you about today. The promise of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, from verse, verse 4 and 5, Jesus talked about the same promise. After he rose from the dead, Jesus started talking to his disciples. He said, don't leave Jerusalem Wait for the promise of the Father. And that's what the Bible is saying. Jesus died to make available to you the promise of the Father, the promise of the Spirit that you receive, how? Through faith. Everyone who wants to be a friend of God should receive the promise of the Father. 
and it's available to you. And some of us, if, you are, if you're here this morning and you have not sure about that, you haven't received the promise of the Father, please open yourself to receive. Jesus died to make these gifts available to you. It will transform your life. It will transform your life. This promise came on the day of Pentecost. And I've got to talk about this because I know what God has done in my life with this promise. I can't be a pastor without telling people the truth. I can't be a pastor without telling them what is right, what's what's helped my life. I can't hide it and hold it to myself. This gift has helped me. This gift has transformed my life in every area of life. In my family, my marriage, my children, this gift has transformed my life. The confidence that I feel inside of me because of this gift. I can't hide it. I get to reveal it, share it with people. I've seen. This gift will deliver you from demonic oppression. You don't have to be afraid of anything. I've said here before, even if at night Satan himself appears in my room, all my response will be, oh, it's you. Because I got no fear. I've got this spirit of God, the promise of the Father inside of me. No doubt. I got nothing to fear. No man can hurt me. I've got God with me. I've got to share that with you. It's important that I tell you the truth. And I pray that God will open your heart to receive the truth so that your life will be transformed. It's not just about going to church. It's about fellowship with God, spirit to spirit. Knowing God, not just going to church, knowing God that you know you know God and you know when you die, you're going to be with Him in heaven. That's the thing. I've got this connection with Him through spirit. It's not religion. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. It says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then there suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. He knows where you are. He knows your address. He knows where you're living. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And they sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were about 120 people in that room. And those divided tongues, guess the number. 120. He knows where you live. They all spoke in tongues. 120, including Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. Mary was in that room. Mary received the Holy Spirit that day, and she spoke in tongues. Let no tongues be unusual to believers. This is it's real. It's real. Have you heard this song? When the saints go marching in. When the saints go marching in. Lord, I want to be in the number. Well, Paul spoke in tongues. Peter spoke in tongues. James spoke in tongues. Thomas, the doubter, he spoke in tongues. Lord, I want to be in that number. I want to be in the number. 
Those people saw miracles. They handled Jesus. They sat with him. I've never seen Jesus in person to sit with. And then he gave them talks, and in my time, he gave me nothing. Nothing supernatural. What's happening in the West today is like they, they are taking the supernatural out of Christianity. And all we're getting in the West, the Western world, is everything natural, everything cerebral. Everything is a self-help thing. That's not bad. Self-help is okay. But you can't take super, the supernatural out of Christianity and still have Christianity. It doesn't work that way. Christianity is a supernatural religion. That's what sets this Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Because God is active in religion. In this religion. I've seen miracles because Jesus did miracles. And the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul says, I didn't come preaching to you with enticing words of human wisdom. I came in the power of the demonstration of the Spirit of God. That's what the true gospel is. We can't dull it down. We need to experience God. Let's not fool ourselves. Don't allow yourself to be led by the blind because Jesus says if the blind leads the blind, guess it's not only the blind that's falling, those that are being led, they'll all fall in the dish. I don't want to be in that number. Amen. I don't want to be in that number. Let's be, if you want to serve God, then serve Him. You want to play games? Well, then play games. For me and my house, we're not playing games. We're going to follow God. We're going to serve God. And if you're here this morning, you really want to serve God. God wants you to have the promise of the Father. Tongues is supernatural. Please believe me. When I speak in tongues, I have to tell myself, this is not a language that I learned. It's not a course. This is something, when you hear somebody speaking in tongues, you are in the presence of the supernatural. That's what it is. It's supernatural. It's the Spirit that's doing it. You want to reject that and just live in the ordinary? The truth is, is there, it's available there for us. Peter says, everyone, this promise is to everyone who believes, Jews and Gentiles. We just have to believe this and receive the promise of the Father. Let me show to you this, with the power of groaning. You remember when Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead? And, and the, uh, Martha was talking to uh, Jesus about, about uh, Lazarus being in the grave. And if you read in the scripture, and I'm going to read it quickly, in John 11, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw he, uh, her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in what? In the spirit and was troubled. He groaned, verse 33. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Verse 38, this, at this time Jesus was already standing by the grave. And he saw this stone. He says, then Jesus again groaning himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laying against it. You know, you can imagine he was just groaning. A lot of people 
hundreds of people around him. And they are walking to the grave of a man who had been dead for four days. And all Jesus was doing all along till he got to the grave was just groaning. And then when they said, take the stone off. And they said, well, he sinks. He says, I said, take the stone off. You want to see a miracle? Take the stone. And then he said to his father, I know you hear me. I know you've heard me. You always hear me. But for their sake, I'm saying it because I already know you've heard me. Now, let's go to Romans 8 verse 26. Let me tell you the power of praying in tongues, the power of receiving the Holy Spirit, and what that does for you. It's so important. So we know what this is all about. He says, likewise, the Spirit, capital S, right? The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. How many feel weak sometimes? Do you feel weak sometimes? How would you like to get help from God the Father in the Spirit? The Spirit helps our weaknesses, not some, our weaknesses. I need the Spirit to help me in my weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with what? Groanings, just like Jesus had. Groanings, which cannot be uttered. The Spirit prays through us in groanings. When you have received the Spirit, that's when miracle, that's where miracles are born. And this is available to every one of us. Jesus says, he who believes in me, these works that I do, he shall do also. Are you a believer? Do you know Jesus? This is available to you. He says, the Spirit himself, that's the Holy Spirit, Have you ever seen the Holy Spirit in the corner of a room praying? Have you? No. He prays through you. That's what he's saying. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now verse 27 says, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he, that's the Spirit of God, makes intercession for the saints. How? According to the will of God. You want God's will to be done in your life? Pray in the Spirit. There is a problem that's, uh, that's come into your life. He says, for our weakness, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. You, because we are humans, we don't know how to really approach it. And God will answer if we pray right. So the Spirit takes it over from us. And he prays according to the will of God concerning that particular circumstance, whether it's financial, whether it has to do with your children, whether it has to do with your marriage, whether it has to do with your education, your retirement. It doesn't matter what. He takes it and he prays the will of God. And the will of God is always good. The Bible says, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. And what is the will of God? Good will towards men. That's the truth. It all comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen. It comes from the Spirit. We have to receive the Holy Spirit. We have to receive the Holy Spirit. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? With tongues. How do we? The first thing is you must be born again. You have to be born again. 
Jesus said, you don't put new wine in old wine skins. You only put new wine in new wine skins. And to receive, to be born again, all you have to do at the end of the service, when the time comes and you, want, you truly want to receive Christ, all you have to do is put your hand up and say yes. And I know so many of you are going to be doing that today. Say yes. And God will recognize that and pray the prayer and you're born again. When I go to hold meetings in Africa, sometimes we have um, hundreds of people. My pastor was with me in one of these churches. They just from the crusade, these were pagans, idol worshippers. They just heard the message for the first time. And I asked them, do you want to receive Christ after you've seen all the miracles that God has done? They said, yes. Yes. Pray with me. They pray with me. And they received them really intense in prayer. And then later I asked them, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? They said, what's that? <laughs> and you teach them what it is. And they say, okay, that's great. We want to receive that. And the next thing I know, God comes into the room. I don't have to even touch anybody. The next thing I know, my pastor was with me in one of those circumstances. People start praying in tongues all over the place. And I start seeing demons getting out of people's lives. Those that were because of their pagan worship, the demons decide it's too hot here now. We got to leave them alone so that they can go to their God. And I see them like transform people. Fear gone. That's what we want to do. You got to be born again. Receive Jesus as your Lord. Make Jesus your friend to me. Is that difficult to do? If you say it from your mouth, he comes in immediately. Until you give him permission, he'll never do that to you. But once you tell him yes, he comes in. So make Jesus your friend. The next thing is, ask God to give you his Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read the scripture from Luke 11, verse 9 through 13. It says, so, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, Ask, and it will be given you, to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 10 is very important. Everybody say verse 10. It's very important. Listen to verse 10. For everyone who asks, receives. Can you say that with me? For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. God's not going to say, oh, uh, uh, you were bad last night. You can't receive this. This is the Holy Spirit. You can't be holy without the Holy Spirit. That's why you were bad. Now you need the Holy Spirit not to be bad. And God's never going to say no. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, he's going to give you. It says, for everyone who asks, receives. And it tells us there too, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Then it says, if a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Maybe you're wondering, whoa, I've been bad all my life. Are you sure I, I qualify? What if the devil slips one on me? And it's not the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, that's never going to happen. Not when you're asking for the Holy Spirit. It says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, can you read that part, the last part with me? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Have you asked? Are you willing to ask today? God will not go by you. This song, you know, pass me not to gentle Savior. He doesn't do that. Not if you're coming to him. Amen? He will always answer you. If he acts like he's not, he's ignoring you, he's testing you to see if you will quit. But if you stay, he's there for you. Amen? And God wants to fill you with his spirit. How much more shall your heavenly father give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the only thing standing between you and the Holy Spirit is what? You're asking. You're not asking. That's the problem. I made it really simple, right? The gospel is supposed to be simple. You can receive the Holy Spirit if you ask. And then the last thing you have to do, you have to speak in tongues. There are so many scriptures that tell us that. There were 120 people in the upper room. Some people say, well, that's, that's your gift. I have another gift. Well, I want to know your gift. There were 120 people in the upper room. How many spoke in tongues? All of them. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius invited all of his friends. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they all spoke in tongues. Every single one of them spoke in tongues. In Acts 19, the same thing happened. Paul prayed for 12 individuals who had heard about Jesus, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit, and they also prayed in tongues, every one of them. So God, when he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. Now, in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 4, he says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who was doing the speaking? Some people would say the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is not human. You have the tongue, right? You do the speaking and he'll give the utterance. Don't do this to the Holy Spirit. Dear God, here is my tongue. And God says, what am I going to do with that? That's your tongue. You do the speaking, and God will give you the utterance. It's all really up to you. Because what it is, is when you decide, I'm going to start speaking, that means you have given the Holy Spirit permission to come through. And that's what it is. God will not invade your own space. You have to give him that room. Amen? So this morning, God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we'll deal with that right after... We have received our offerings, and I've instructed you a little bit, and then we'll come back to this. But before we get to the offering part, let's all close our eyes right now.
you're here this morning and you heard this message and you're saying, God, I want you in my life. <coughs> Excuse me. I need Jesus to be my friend. I know you're a Christian, but maybe you are not living the way you think God expects you to live. But you want to come to Jesus Christ today with all of your heart. And Jesus himself is here today. All eyes closed. All heads bowed. No one looking around. We want you to make that decision between you and your God by lifting your hand up and saying, I want Jesus to be my friend, my Lord, and my Savior. If that's you today, at the count of three, all you need to do is put your hand up. Let it be up real high. Let God see your hand. And we will acknowledge it and we'll pray so that you receive Jesus into your life as your friend. At the count of three, put your hand. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See those hands. Thank you. Let's stand up, please. We're going to say this prayer before God. Say with me, especially those that lifted your hands. I know that you mean business. Say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord, I want you this day to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be your friend. And I want you to be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me assure you, if you said that prayer today and you meant it from your heart, something has changed in your life, spiritually. Your name has been written in God's Lamb book of life. And if you die today, you'll go to heaven. It's not because of what you've done. It's not the good works. It's what Jesus did. Amen? That's why he's the Savior. All you have to do from now on is to make sure you show up in the service. Let us show you how to draw closer to God and how to know God better. 